All right, part two of episode 69 with Chris Wesley here. Yeah, nice. Um, do you see what I titled part one? No, nah, I, I just told yet. you I put part one up. Yeah, I went with a uh, designated survivor, colon, Stetson Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> but shout uh, yeah, shout out Stet. So if you haven't listened to part one, for all you listeners, that's who we pretty much talk about with Titus. But here for part two, it's just me and Chris. So I... We didn't mention, well, we did mention in part one, but I edited it out. We did record last week, kind of a prediction uh, pod, and didn't get it up. But just to run over some of the key predictions we had, we knew, so going into the game, we both agreed that time of possession was going to be a big factor because we thought it was going to be a higher scoring game. And so we thought whoever could, control the possession of the ball and pretty much have the ball last and maybe turn, you know, three and maximize on all your opportunities, getting seven points instead of three points. That was going to be the biggest thing, which was true. Um, We both had Georgia covering the spread, even though I had Alabama winning straight up. We both had Georgia covering the spread. That didn't happen. We both said, well, we just talked about, we didn't really say that UGA was going to have a big second half, but we highlighted that they've been dominant in the second half, which is odd for them because Kirby Smart's usually not a second half guy or Georgia under him hasn't been traditionally a second half team. So that's been an upgrade for them this year, but they ended up getting shut out ending their last two drives with interceptions. And Chris, you mentioned well, we both mentioned this, but you were heavy on it because one of your key players to look out for was James Cook. We knew that ru- rushing the ball was key. And it did turn out to be a key. Alabama only rushed for like two more yards. I think two or five more yards than Bama did. But Bama ran the ball, the ball 13 more times. And like five of those carries for us were in the negatives and they were from Matt Jones or a little trick play from Jalen Waddle. So, I mean, Najee Harris, Harris was the bulk of our running, putting up 131 yards. And y'all's leading rusher was Zaire White. Is it Zaire? Zamir. Zamir. Zamir White. He had, what, 71 Zeus. yards? Uh, Yeah, somewhere along that line. Oh, uh, let's see. 57 yards. 10 carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown. And then I know Cook had, what, 16 yards? Who's y'all's second guy? Uh, the second guy was uh, Milton. Kendall Milton. Kendall and he Milton. had uh, – yeah, let's see. Said, uh, six carries for 44 yards. Oh, okay. That's pretty good average. Yeah, he, had, he did have a long run for about 25 yards, uh, and that was one of his first few carries. But that that is pretty good yardage per carry. Yeah, it is. Before we go into – because we're going to highlight some players that – like our key players that we had going into the game and then some big performers. But before we go into that, when it comes to possession, I will highlight Georgia had 12 possessions – Bama had 13. Three of y'all's possessions ended on interceptions. Y'all had four punts, three touchdowns, one interception. I mean, I'm sorry, one field goal. Uh, Out of our 13 possessions, Bama, one interception, five touchdowns, one field goal, four punts, and two of our possessions, one ended the half and the other ended the game. And I think I'm wrong about Georgia. I think y'all had two field goals, right? Uh, we had a field goal and a missed field goal. No, I think I'm sure. wrong, yeah. wrong about Bama. We had two field goals. I messed something up here when yeah. I was recording these. Which but, that stat alone ought to be something that all Alabama fans are praising at the moment. Oh, thank God. Kick. Thank God, man. That is, that is first time long time since Lee Tiffin, bro, back in the early Saban Shula days. Lee Tiffin was probably the last one to even get close to a 50-yard 
field goal. Um, which I think Adam Griffith got pretty close to one or nailed one, but he was like he had already missed 20 of them, so we weren't really impressed with his one that he hit. So <laughs> going into key players, so you highlighted – you said James Cook was going to have to be big for Georgia to win, and he was big, not necessarily on the ground. I guess he's more of a receiving back. Is that how you all utilize him? Yeah, or was that just for the he's game? Really kind of a, he's really a third down back. He runs a lot of uh, outside sweeps, quick tosses and stuff. And he also, I mean, he did what he did in the Alabama game most of the time. He gets short routes or he gets hit with a big play downfield. Yeah, which he, I mean, he was big for that. He had five carries, 16 yards, and then four receptions, 101 yards, one touchdown, and – that one touchdown was an 82-yard touchdown, I think, something like that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and he was the leading receiver of the game. So, uh, shout-out to you, Chris. You called that. I mean, he wasn't big enough, yeah, I did. but he he did come through. Yeah, I mean, it helps when you get an 82-yard touchdown to pad their stats a little bit. But, honestly, on that play, too, Stetson almost underthrew that ball. The Alabama defender had one more step on the play. I don't think it would have been a touchdown. That's right. Is that the one? That's right. I think that's the one where he got into the backfield, and he was just probably an inch away from batting it down. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Uh, it might have been, but I'm thinking uh, James Cook was running down the sideline, ran a wheel route, because this was right after Alabama ran that wheel route for, I guess, the second touchdown in the end zone to Mechie. And uh, we came out and threw almost the exact same play. And Cook had about seven-yard separation, but the ball was just not enough to it. It had to slow down. So you're about two steps away from getting tackled on that play. Okay. Then, yeah, I'm thinking of a different play. Y'all had some type of screen, which I don't – I think y'all turned it into a first down. I think it was the Cook. But, yeah, there was one where we gotten into the backfield and our guy was almost in between Stetson and Cook and almost got his hand on it, but wasn't able to. But um, who was your – I can't remember who your second impact player was. Uh, my second was on the same side of the ball as George Pickens. I mean, this season oh, he's, that's right. he's made plays. I mean, he had the longest streak for most consecutive games with a touchdown catch. I think, I think at the time was like eight or nine. Um he failed to do that this week or this past weekend. Uh, he still had, he still led the team with receptions, but only for a dismal 53 yards. Yeah. So you know how hard it is to find the advanced stats for college wide receivers. I was trying to find, cause we talked about this. So this is our second time doing part two. We're trying to sum it up better. And uh, cause we just get in circles, which is my fault, but I was trying to look up before we got on here. I was trying to look up how many drop passes y'all y'all's receivers had, like targets and drop passes, and compared to ours. But I couldn't find them, um, any of the drop passes. And then I went to the game log, and the game logs don't even say if passes were dropped. They just say whether they were completed or incomplete. Maybe it's something you can find. I know we know there were drop passes, but I mean, I, I just yeah. feel like there were some. I just remember Pickens because he stuck out to me I mean I remember you mentioning him and so my eye was out for him but I just remember him not coming through for you know a couple of big plays that he should have had yeah what's one thing with Pickens I was happy to see this weekend was he didn't do anything stupid or dumb like I don't know get into a fist fight after a touchdown or spray water bottle in that young deer so he's learning <laughs> oh so he has a history of this oh yeah he uh he was suspended for the first half of the sec playoff or the sec championship game last year because last game of the season he got into a fist fight with a georgia tech player uh actually grabbed the dude's face mask and smashed him into a wall and wow. then yeah, last week at Tennessee, or I guess it would be two weeks now, at Tennessee, uh, you're in Cano, Tano, however you say it. Uh, yeah, 
it doesn't matter. He sucks. But <laughs> he got tackled on the sideline, and George Pickens was trying to be overly friendly and hydrate him, but he wound up squirting the water bottle into his ear while he's laying on the ground. Oh, yeah. Uh, Just childish. <laughs> he sounds like a classic. Uh, he sounds like a classic Mark Rick UGA player. Yeah, at least he hasn't. Well, cross my fingers on this. He hasn't been arrested yet, so that's a good sign. Yeah, that is. You know, also, Mark Rick probably led the SEC for that. Yeah, he did. That's why one of the best press conferences of all time is Steve Spurrier saying, I think it was a year he didn't get to, get to play y'all early because y'all usually play like in the first three or four games, don't y'all, the season? It's y'all. Yeah, it's I, normally about the third game. Yeah, and for the one year I got slated, I don't know, it was the seventh or eighth game, and Steve Spurrier was mad, and he said in the press conference, he said, yeah, I'd rather play them as regular because they usually have about 20 guys out for their first three games due to the suspensions. But one guy who was big for y'all, he did make some dumb plays just off the top of my head trying to remember, and – he didn't really impress me during that game until I was doing research before and I saw that this dude's only a true freshman, but Jermaine Burton, which was, yeah, which I feel, I'm pretty sure he was his main target. It was just in a lot of incompletes were thrown towards Burton's way. Yeah, he was definitely his favorite target. I wish I could see what his stats were. I'm still trying to do research on finding the passing breakdown. But there were – I think he dropped one touchdown. He wound up catching it on the same drive. Uh, it was a little bit overthrown on the first pass. Uh, he was also the receiver who was targeted uh, by Stetson on the – I guess it would be the second interception Alabama had on the goal line. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of – it was a high pass. It kind of went through his hands. Um, I said so myself to my dad during that game that I wasn't really impressed with Burton, but after looking, watching the game a second time and taking into consideration he's a true freshman, I think he's got a lot that he can potentially contribute in the future. Yeah, I think so too. He's a, I think he'll be a promising star for y'all, or at least a reliable wide receiver in the future with him just being a true freshman. And he must have been a highly touted, I'm guessing the dude must have been a five star or something because he came out of Cal, he's all the way from Calabasas. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. A, I actually think he's a four star. Oh, okay. But, but I mean, yeah, Kirby, he did come from a hot area. Yeah, Kirby trying to establish the pipeline out there on the West Coast for Georgia. The only other UGA player that stuck out in my mind that I want to address is Richard LeCount because he got exposed on some of those plays. They were giving him a hard time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, it doesn't help when you're one of the team's leading tacklers and you're a safety. That's it's not the best stat to have. Yeah. But, but he was getting burnt by Jalen Waddle. I think there were a few plays they ended up getting yeah. a matchup on him. Even though he's a safety, they got the one-on-one matchup with him somehow. But I think that was just from – Jalen outspeeding the first guy. And so LeCount's the last one to get him. And he failed more times than not. Yeah, he definitely did. Is he a senior? Uh, yeah, he stuck around this year. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. Are there any other UGA guys you want to highlight before we move on to Bama guys? Uh, flipping to the defensive side, uh, I did want to point out Aziz Ojolari. Uh He's the guy on the very first play for Alabama who hit Mac Jones, um, mm-hmm. causing the interception, which, to be honest, wasn't much of an interception if you ask pretty much anyone. Um, he also had two pass breakups and uh, two QB hits. So that was impressive. And he, he just came off of a big game at Tennessee, too. So I'm excited to see what he brings to the table further down the road. Okay. Yeah, I don't um, – when it comes to the UGA players this year, I'm just very – I just haven't learned y'all's roster yet. 
in the depth chart. So, and I was more focused on our, our guys <clears throat> in that. But moving on to Alabama, so I had two key players as well. One of my guys didn't even see the field, so I'm going to take an L on that one. It was Trey Sanders. I think we're pretty much, my opinion on Trey Sanders, who's our third string running back, who would have been our, he was slated to be second string last year as a true freshman until he broke his foot. But I think we're kind of holding on to Trey Sanders kind of like we did with Najee, because Najee, we really could have started playing Najee as a true freshman. We just already had good running backs in front of him. And two, Nick Saban's very meticulous, and when he gets these five stars that he doesn't have to start right away, then he's going to make sure he's going to, you know, remove every little con or flaw in your game before you hit that field. Because he does come in promising these five stars, hey, I know you can do this, this, and this well, but you can't do this and this, and this is what you got to do to get into the NFL. So, like pass blocking was a big thing Najee had to learn. Um, and I mean, pass blocking is like the main thing. So I think Trey Sanders is pretty much going to get that treatment too. They're not, he's not going to really see the field this year and they're probably just meticulously working on him. But my guy who did see the field and I would give myself a thumbs up for, for getting it right is Malachi Moore. He plays our star position I want to say or he's just safety but um no he's just a safety I think I don't think he moves into the star but he he only had two tackles but he had a he had one interception but um he was just really key he was there where you needed him to be it seemed like and I was reading some articles after uh the game and they were talking about Malachi Moore and he's just a true freshman he was a four-star. He wasn't highly sought after, but Ryan Clark, former safety for the Steelers, also ESPN analyst now, he met more during his senior year of high school, and he tweeted that Malachi Moore is going to be stud, and a lot of other his teammates on in the secondary have a lot of positive things to say about him. So even though it was just two tackles, one interception, he was definitely a difference maker out there. Um, in coverage, and let's see. Also, okay, so we talked about Dylan Moses. I I can go back and find it in the pod, and maybe cut this in. But Chris brought it to my attention in the last week's pod that never got up about how Dylan Moses is very performed very. He's been very underwhelming this year, and he's. Actually, one, statistically, one of the worst linebackers this year, I think. Isn't that correct? Especially when it comes to yeah, pro def- scouting. Yeah, he's on PFF. He's in the bottom – I even want to say bottom 5%. Yeah, it it's ridiculous. And he got exposed, especially that first possession for Georgia when y'all scored a touchdown or y'all's first touchdown possession – there were three plays in a row where he got exposed. It was either pass coverage or picking the wrong hole for a, for that touchdown y'all had right up the middle. Dylan went to the wrong hole. He got blocked, and he was y'all was running back. White was able to, or what's his, is it White? Jameer White, yes. Yeah, yeah, he was able to run it up the middle. But I mean, three plays in a row on that those y'all's last three plays on that drive was pretty much if you had to point fingers at anybody of whose fault it was, it was Dylan Moses. But with that said, I would rather have Dylan Moses out there than not having him out there because, I mean, he's still attributed with – he had 10 total tackles, five of them were solo, and he had a sack. Um, but the biggest thing he brings is senior leadership and communication. So he's the quarterback out there for the team. So – that's, that's the biggest thing he brings. So I'm okay with him being out there. It's just he's not the highly touted pro prospect that everybody's come to expect him to be, which is uh, kind of sad. And I I also have attributed that in our last pod. I said, you know, that could be due to a lot of things. This is first time playing with all these guys pretty much. Last time he saw the field was two years ago. 
And that was with pretty much a completely different defense than the one he's playing with now. And he's dealing with a you know new defense coordinator from the last time he played. So there's a lot of adjusting to go going on. But just some other guys I want to hit is Christian Barmore is a freaking beast for us on the defensive line. So yeah, I love him. And he's gonna he he's really good at penetrating and also holding up his offensive linemen, plugging up holes. Najee Harris, hopefully holding the Heisman so I can be right because I've been saying that since last year before the season even ended. And Mac Jones, I just learned today, he is number one in the nation in real plus minus. And real plus minus is a breakdown of how impactful you are on the field. And he has the number one spot in that. He's pretty much like the number one Heisman candidate right now too, I believe. Yeah, he's number one in pretty much every category out there. Yeah, which is it's ridiculous. Um, a lot of people are – a lot of Bama fans are saying he's the best QB we've ever had, we've ever had, which I'm not going to deny that. But as Bama fans, we have a short – we have a very short uh, memory. And we like to – as more and more players come on, like we just start to forget the old ones. Once Mark Ingram left, we were all on T – T. Rich saying he was the best one. Once T. Rich left, we were all saying Eddie Lacy's the best one. But Matt Jones, what he's been able to do, the way he just is able to stand in the pocket and make a play is great, and his awareness is great. Because the one thing with Tua, Tua would hang on to the ball way too long, and he would let those routes develop, which I think that was Sarkeesian's fault too because all of our routes were long ones. And if you had a long route drawn, drawn up, that's the first place that Tua's looking and so he just didn't have the best pocket awareness and he would just hold the ball way too long and take a lot of sacks. And that's one thing Matt Jones hasn't done is he's been able to f- avoid sacks and get the ball out of his hands and throw it accurately. But, uh, yeah, roll top. <laughs> yeah, I saw that, or I guess it would be a comparison between uh, him and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think it was today, and he's only – what, 200 yards behind Trevor Lawrence on – and he's probably got 15 to 20, I want to say, less attempts. And also believe he's – how many picks has he thrown this year? One or two? Two. And they're both Okay, so I think Trevor – And yeah, Trevor's so got one. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's right up there with everyone – or with the guy everyone thought would win the Heisman this year. So, saying that, Mac Jones is having a breakout year. Yeah, and this is this does not surprise me. So, a lot of people, um, a lot of Bama fans have been on the Mac Jones is going to win the Heisman this year. I wouldn't say that was ridiculous. I wasn't on it just because I've been on the Najee's going to win the Heisman this year train, and I'm not getting off of it. But if we did a better preseason one or if we really talked about Heisman hopefuls, who we would have thought – I've learned since two years ago, never pick the guy everybody thinks is going to win the Heisman. Like, when's the last time a preseason Heisman favorite won the Heisman? When was the last time even somebody was on a preseason Heisman watch list even made <laughs> won the Heisman? I mean, it's crazy. They just come out of nowhere. Yeah, it's always the guys who are seen as underdogs or dark horses who appear to do the best, except for uh, Kellen Mons, who's been a dark horse for the past four years. Good Lord. Yeah, he's been overhyped for forever. Uh, But with Trevor, um, so when I said real plus minus, Mac is one. Trevor actually ranks third. And then when it comes to the categories like passing yards, touchdowns, Trevor leads him by a little bit in yards, a little bit in touchdowns, one less interception. But when it comes to QBR, Mac is like a 220, I want to say, and Trevor's like a 190, which a lot of people are skeptical about QBR and what that really depicts. But I think he's playing better than Trevor. Yeah, according to uh, ESPN's college football, uh, Instagram, Mac Jones is currently number two on the Heisman watch after week seven. So it'd be week four for SEC. 
Who's number one? Is it T Rev? Yeah. Yeah, football Jesus. Sunshine. I don't think he'll end up winning it just because that ACC schedule is going to hurt him. Yeah, especially considering Notre Dame's in there this year. I don't oh, think yeah. Gonna, oh, yeah. you're saying you're saying it's going to hurt him with the lack of competition. Yeah, they're going to take that in. I feel like the committee is going to take that in, into consideration. They ought to. I mean, that's a big, big factor when you don't play anybody. Yeah, especially when it comes down to – I mean, because the Heisman's always the week after conference championships. So, that's your last minute to prove it right there. And then what is Clemson going to do? Face Miami again and just run through them? And we're more like – you know, we're going to play a tougher opponent, either y'all or a Florida or a Kentucky. So – <laughs> but who knows? Um, are there? I mean, is there anything you really want to highlight, or any takeaways you want to give from this game? Um, not really. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I asked you the other day, which I don't know if this will make it in, but I asked you if you thought Georgia's defense was exposed, and I've kind of been split in the middle I really don't think they were exposed that's what a lot of people are saying um but I think it's more of the fact that when your team lacks offense and plays an elite complete national contender it's hard to do to play your best and put up I mean exquisite numbers when you're on the field Pretty much the whole – I mean, 26 out of 33 minutes. Or yeah. 26 to 33 was the breakdown. So, Georgia's defense was on the field 33 minutes. And I wish I could find where it showed by quarter. Because I guarantee you that second half, they were on the field for the majority of the second half. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I'm looking at the drive breakdown. Uh, starting in the third quarter, UGA offensive drives went – Three minutes and 42 seconds, which is okay. Uh, a minute and 11 seconds. Their next drive, a minute and three seconds. And then their final drive was three minutes and 27 seconds. But still, that's six minutes total in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah. So it's not – that's not doing any good. I think when it comes – yeah, when it comes to y'all, I'm pretty sure my answer I gave you about whether – Y'all got exposed or y'all are overrated, whatever. I'm undecided on it just because we all became super impressed with Georgia and y'all's defensive line. I mean, really just top to bottom everything on y'all's defense after watching Auburn because we expected that to be a closer game. But y'all were in the y'all stayed in the backfield against Auburn, completely dominated that line of scrimmage, did not give Bo Nix any options. Um to throw to so y'all were riding really high off that but then turn around y'all play us and then we watch Auburn lose to South Carolina and it's become so it's okay maybe y'all aren't that good yeah I do take into consideration that I mean we've got if not the best the top two you know offense in the league or in the nation so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think y'all are – I don't think y'all got exposed. I think we just overrated y'all a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and we, we haven't played anyone explosive on offense yet. I think the best offensive team we've played thus far would be Arkansas. Because, um, I mean, Arkansas has been putting it together, but I also think we had Arkansas at their worst. So, it's not like we faced anyone – I don't even think we face an offense on two tiers below what Alabama's offense is doing right now. Y'all play Ole Miss this year? uh, We play Mississippi State, and that'll be later in the season. Oh, okay. And they've been trash, so that won't really be much of a test. Yeah, everyone figured out that offense after the LSU game. Just rush three, drop eight in the coverage. Mm -hmm. Pretty much all you got to do. Yeah, because Kejo Costello is not going to beat you with his feet. So, nope. 
leading the league with well, leading the nation with interceptions. Yeah, how many interceptions does he have? Is he in the double digits that's already? A good, that's a good question. Uh, I know they threw six against Kentucky the other week, and four of them were his. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he threw three or four the week before. Wow! And didn't he throw three, three or four against LSU as well? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm gonna look this up. Let's see, uh, KJ Costello. I wanted to ask you your thoughts on this. Um, gosh, I gotta find it now. But uh, I was on some SEC page or something, and it was ranking the SEC quarterbacks. Um, and right now they have Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, and Matt Corral all ranked together. Why? What's the I, basis of it? This, I really don't know. I just I scrolled through it. Um, that's what I hate about Instagram these days is I follow so many pages and they never keep it in a chronological order. Yeah, I know. So you can never get back to it. They, the algorithm already knows you've seen it, so they're not going to let you go back and <laughs> scroll to it. Yeah, exactly. I miss the good old days. Yeah, me too. But with Kedra Costello, he is first in the nation in yards. But uh, – He's got six touchdowns, 10 interceptions. His QBR this year is 43.3. That's terrible. Yeah, he's uh, almost like a whole – that's a whole Trevor Lawrence uh, QBR right there. <laughs> like his gap between his QBR and Mac Jones's QBR is almost Trevor Lawrence's QBR. Wow. That's pitiful. And we got – okay, they got a bye week this week, but we faced them – oh, wait. What? I'm confused. Wait, what's, what's – t- oh, okay, okay, never mind. Yeah, so they're – we're at Mississippi State's next matchup. They got a bye week this week, and then we play them. Oh, but my big takeaway on this game of Georgia-Alabama, and I'm pretty much just reiterating what I've already said in the first take of this, and it just solidified my argument. I I saw an article when it was, you know, when everybody's trying to point the finger or really just identify the main problem for Georgia and why y'all couldn't succeed against Alabama or make it a closer game at least, um, somebody came with the insightful observation that I had already made. Just nobody heard it except for you and maybe Titus. But uh, it wasn't necessarily Stetson that lost that game. Or, like, the QB isn't the biggest difference, like Stetson versus Mac. It's really y'all's wide receivers versus our wide receivers. And I didn't realize that in the whole nation right now, Jalen Waddle is the second-ranked receiver in all the nation when, it, when you combine all his stats. Devontae Smith is the third in the nation. And John Mechie is sixth. So we got three of our, our three wide receivers are in the top six in the nation when it comes to combined wide receiver stats. And y'all's best receiver – is ranked like 20th maybe, or he's in the top 20, just barely made it. But it was just pretty much the whole difference of, we talked about Devontae Smith, he's a dog, and he wins those 50-50 balls. If you get the ball in their vicinity, they're going to catch it, and that's not the guarantee you get with Georgia wide receivers. Yeah, no, it's not. Not at this moment. I will say I'm impressed with the talent we have. Because um, it's come a long way from even last year. Uh, but it's Alabama's on a completely different level. Even losing, what, what did y'all lose two last year? Two receivers? Yeah. Henry Ruggs and so, Jerry I mean, Judy. Yeah, and that just, 
it still blows my mind because looking looking a few years ago even that's not the kind of team that Alabama was and like you point out Nick Saban's learned to adapt yeah what is it Michael Scott says adapt react readapt react (laughs) that's what Nick Saban he must have went to the Michael school Michael Scott school of hard knocks for business yeah except the college football version but oh you brought up uh where they're ranked and uh I was looking on just for shits and giggles. I was looking on the uh, that website I use, uh, PFF, and yeah, they're all three Alabama receivers are grading out in the top in the top thirty-five. I think uh, Smith is number two, Waddle's number twelve, and uh, Mechie is like number 32, I'll say. But still, that's to have your three wide receivers in the top 50 even together is impressive. Yeah, and Mechie's just a um, redshirt sophomore, I believe. And also, Mechie is actually – he's either first or second in the nation in yards per catch. He's averaging like 20, 24 or 25 yards per catch. What was his big breakout game? Didn't he have one game that was just astronomical? Was it Ole Miss game? That may have been the game. Let's see. Let's look up John Mitch. Damn season. It was Texas A&M. That's right. Yeah, he had five yeah. receptions, 181 yards, two touchdowns. And he was, yeah, adding, I knew was then that, averaging 36. I knew then that kid was uh, something special. Yeah, and he's – I think he's just a true sophomore. That's impressive. Yeah, he's from uh, he's from Canada too. Oh, that's less impressive. <laughs> I, I hate them Canadians. Ontario. Like what the but, hell? Who? What country in the world still has national service members who still ride horses through the mountains? Russia. That's only a Canadian. <laughs> I think. No, I think they ride polar bears. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm surprised. Uh, Canadians, they need to ride mooses or meese. Ride, ride the meese around. They need to do something. <laughs> step up, step up their game a little bit. Yeah, they do. All right, so we can move on to picks. Let's see. Let me pull them up. Pull them up. This is a weird week because I think there's what three bye week, three bye games. So that'd be six teams on by. Well, we got Big Ten playing this week, too. That is true. Which I guess that'll be better than watching the ACC. Yeah, well, yeah. So Clemson gets to play Syracuse next, and Syracuse just lost to Liberty. Ooh. Screw them. Okay, so. Yeah. Oh, were you going to say something? I was going to say Syracuse is known for uh, putting up a pretty good fight against Clemson. Didn't, haven't they beaten them? <coughs> they got close to beating them. Just like last, no, they beat last year, two years ago? Oh, I think it was uh, the Kelly got, Bryant year they beat them. Yeah, it was like a Thursday night, too. So it was a something quick like turnaround that. game. Yeah. That, been, that must have been the Kelly Bryant year, I think. Or, I don't know. I don't know. It was definitely a while ago. Yeah, it was. That's it. Let's see. So, what so, games do we got on the schedule? Looking for the intriguing ones. So, Nebraska, Ohio State. Ohio State's favored by 26. That's the spread, 26 points. What is Nebraska the past two years? 
I feel like they're hasn't their record just been completely ass? I think they've been pretty much subpar. I think Jack Frost didn't win a game his first year. Um, that being said, I really think Nebraska is going to be a different team this year. I mean, you can really only go up from where they have been. Uh, to say that they'll cover the spread, that's really unlikely. So I'm going to stick with Ohio State here behind the arm of Justin Fields and all their playmakers. Um, but I'm actually interested, to, speaking of this game and all Big Ten games, I'm interested to see how this is going to affect them with all this extra practice time. Like, have they practiced too much? Yeah, that is that is interesting because that's that's crazy because you could say that's easily an advantage or that's a disadvantage. Um, I don't know. It's just weird, man. Like, because they've been practicing for forever, just waiting <laughs> for somebody to tell them yeah. they can, you know, actually play for real. I think Ohio State this year in general, though, I think they're going to come with the mindset. They're going to put up – they're going to try to kill, like absolutely murder every single team they come across because they're going to try to prove they deserve to be in the playoffs. So they're going to run up the score every game if they can. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, that's why I've got Ohio State definitely covering the spread on this. They could have made it 40, and I would get them covering the spread. But I think it will be, be interesting – this is Frost's third year? Yes. Yeah, so this is his third year along with his QB's third year too, Adrian Martinez. Martinez, like, did really good his freshman year, sucked last year, which that comes with a um, sophomore slump. So maybe he can pick it back up this year. Well, let's hope so because I'd love to see a team beat Ohio State this year. Yeah, me too. Even though I don't think it's going to happen, I would love to see that as well. So we both got Ohio State covering the spread, minus 26. Correct. NC State, they're ranked 23rd against number 14, North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina's got a 15 and a half spread. Um. I really think NC State's going to give them a run for their money. NC State's defense has been pretty good this year compared to what other ACC schools uh, present on the field. Um, and I'll, after watching UNC last week, I think it was last weekend. Who did they play last weekend? Bro, they lost to Florida State. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, there you go. I'm taking – UNC on the or no not UNC I'm taking UNC to lose so NC State to win. You picking them to win straight up or cover the spread? Yeah, yeah. There's no way cover the spread. You you can't come out here and lose to an 0 and four freaking Florida State who is definitely the worst program right now in the ACC. Maybe next to Syracuse. But yeah, and Boston College, but that's that's just ridiculous. I I cannot see them covering. Which of course you can put in the factor of, I think Matt Brown is a good motivator. I think Matt Brown's a decent coach. Maybe they'll, you know, they got something to prove and they want to step on the Red Wolves' throats. But I'm gonna say nah on that. Yeah, not this week. Yeah, not this week. Um. Georgia Southern, Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina is number 25. They're ranked 25th. Wow. Yeah, they're 4-0. Georgia Southern is 3-1. They got Coastal Carolina minus 5.5. I mean, I'll just go ahead and take Georgia Southern straight up. They're going to win this game. Yeah, I am too. They've They've been impressive for a school like that. Which they've been consistently impressive. Yeah. I think, what, the past four or five years or so, they've really, really outdone what everyone expected them to do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're still – I'm pretty sure they still hold the record for most rushing yards put up against Alabama in a game. 
which was like four well, or five hundred. Weren't they tied at half or uh, down by a touchdown at half against Alabama two years ago? Whenever that was, it was a close game at half. It was a close game Alabama at half. And then Al- half. Yeah, they opened it up. Yeah, Georgia State was. I mean, Georgia Southern was able to move the ball on us. They just couldn't capitalize on it. Alabama, yeah. hey, Tennessee. Give me a second. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Brooks go ahead. Give me a second. Yeah, you're good. All right. So next we have Alabama, Tennessee. Alabama's favored. 21 and a half points. I will take that. Yeah, um, I don't know. Jeremy Pruitt just fired his defensive line coach, which for some reason that was not a smart move in my opinion because that's not the problem. The problem is QB. But I really think Tennessee has something to prove, um, if not to the nation, at least to themselves. So I think it's going to be a close game through three and a half quarters. So I'm going to pick Tennessee to cover the spread. That's not a bad pick because Tennessee last year, I'm pretty sure, covered the spread against us. They It was a pretty interesting game all the way till the fourth quarter, and that's when Alabama just kind of pulled away a little bit, capitalizing off mm-hmm. of Garen Tano's mistakes, which he's bound to – make so i think we're just going to be able to kind of suffocate their offense like we were against georgia and force garantano to make bad decisions which isn't hard to do in the first place no i mean that's the only reason georgia stayed in that game and dominantly won yeah i think the way the best way for tennessee to have which I don't even know. So I haven't really watched Tennessee this year, and so I don't know what their offensive scheme is. Do they not u- utilize his mobility? Because doesn't Garantano have mo- pretty good mobility? Um, he's got a decent amount of mobility. Um, the thing with Garantano, he's got a really high ceiling, but he's also got a really low floor. So yeah, there's no in between. It's one or the other, and. Six, seven times out of ten, it's the other, which is the worst of the two. Yeah, it's crazy. There's points where Garantano is out on the field and he doesn't know. It looks like he doesn't know how to play football, bro. Like he exactly. calls, he, he really cost them the game against Alabama last year, which we were up, but they were on the goal line, bro. And I think we were only up by two scores. And I don't even think it was two full scores. It was like ten points. And – I think they called a QB sneak or something like that. About the fumble. Yes, and he threw it, or he did something. I mean, he just yeah. did. I can't. He like threw the ball or whatever, and or he was supposed to hand it off, I think, and he called his own number and he tried to you know dive over, and when he dove over, he just completely lost the ball and it rolled into the end zone. And Trayvon Diggs picked it up and took it all the way to the other side for a touchdown, and that's pretty much what sealed the game. They didn't have enough time to come back. I really think he was trying to uh, imitate Tim Tebow's jump pass, and he didn't realize that they were in I formation with no one running a route to the end zone. <laughs> yeah. Just... yeah. It, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt was so mad, dude. And, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Garantano pisses Jeremy Pruitt off. He, he would piss any coach off that was coaching him. Yeah, well, I think he just threw four picks against Tennessee. I mean, against Kentucky? He's got three picks on the season. Okay, then he threw two against Kentucky. Because I'm pretty sure Georgia had one. Yeah, so that will be interesting. Yeah. All right. Next game. So, you got Tennessee covering the spread. Correct. Okay. Um, Notre Dame Pitt. Notre Dame's four and oh. Pitt's three and three. Notre Dame's only favored by ten. And Pitt just came off a I mean, they almost beat Miami. They gave Miami a run for their money. 
I got yeah, t- I got Notre Dame. You got Notre Dame winning big? No, I don't I don't think they'll win big, but I think it'll be more than ten points. Yeah. Um I mean Pitt's defense is honestly what some of the best in the S or the ACC. So I wouldn't be surprised if they take an Ian Book. Um, and honestly, I'm not even a big fan of Ian Book. I think he's highly overrated. Uh-huh. But I think it's hard to say Notre Dame's not going to cover the spread. Yeah, looking at Ian Book, um, yeah, not impressive. 58 for 94, 714, three touchdowns, one interception. Williams is their workhorse, their running back. Yeah, He's got 486 that, yards, four touchdowns. Yeah, that's been their, their – that's what they've been doing the past three years or so, running the ball. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I only watch Notre Dame to watch um, Brian Kelly to get mad. That's the only reason why I watch Notre Dame, for him to blow his top. Kelly. Literally. He is possibly one of the worst – like me <laughs> – He's the most hated coach between me and Titus. We can both agree on that, that watching Brian Kelly gives me headaches. Yeah. He always, he always looks like, you know, when you boil a pot, I guess it would be an old-fashioned kind of pot, but you boil a kettle for tea. That's what yeah, he always reminds exa- me of on the sideline. That's line. exactly what I was thinking. He's a cartoon, bro. You know, when the cartoon's face gets really red and – Smoke starts blowing out of both ears. Is exactly what he is. Yeah, he's he's the one from uh, the little toaster that went to space, or whatever that cartoon movie was. Yeah, Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> the Brave Little Toaster, <laughs> or um, the teapot off of Beauty and the Beast. Exactly. Yeah. Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Iowa State, Oklahoma State? Yeah, Oklahoma State minus three and a half. Oklahoma State's three and oh, Iowa State's three and one. I'm going to say Iowa State on this one because this is what they're here for. Yeah, I've always liked the Buckeyes or the Hawkeyes, excuse me. Um, they're not even the Hawkeyes, know, Iowa, Iowa State, they're the Cyclones. Oh, Iowa State. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know what. Okay. Well, Disregard that comment. Um, <laughs> what is Oklahoma State? Are they three and one? On, what are they ranked? Or what is their record? Three and zero. Oh, they're number six. Oh, they're still undefeated. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I well, don't you, know. I'm gonna, let me. I'm gonna go Oklahoma State. Okay. Yeah. I want to say. Let me change my pick. Let me give a shout out to my uh, my pop pop. Out there, he uh, my step grandfather, something like that. I don't know. It's my my mom's stepmom's second husband, something like that. But anyways, he was a walk on baseball player for OK State. Graduated from OK State. Shout out to Pop Pop. Go Cowboys! Is I can't remember Asian what Pop they say. Pop? No. <laughs> Uh, okay, then I'm gonna go against them then. <laughs> Penn State, Indiana. Penn State minus six. Which Ooh, we don't even know about these one. teams yet. Yeah, I mean, Penn State. They say this is their revenge tour, just like it was. Who is it? Michigan State's revenge tour last year. Something like that. So, but a kid I played high school with uh, actually went to Indiana, led the nation in pass breakups. Now he's on the, I want to say he's on the Bears practice squad, still making banks. Um, so for that reason alone, I'm gonna go for Indiana. Right? Can you get him on the pod, dude? I I would try. I still have an Instagram post up of me and him, um, from back when we played Harley Day Mercy Catholic High School. Bobcat football together, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, reach bro. out to him. He, Get him on. He'd probably be like, 
yeah, he'd probably be like, who's this peon? Or say <laughs> something like, this peon never could get out in front of me and block. So the answer is no. Tell him, I'll, uh, I'll reach out to him. Bet, do it. Yeah, um, get him on the pod. Let, if we can get him down here to Georgia, man, we're going to uh, – we'll film it during the live show. We'll get you to run some routes against him. See who wins Dude, that battle. I can still – the best play we had together was Jet, 18 Jet. Ran the ball to my side. I was pulling out front in front of him, around the end, kicking out the cornerback. Oh, a thing of beauty. <laughs> and uh, you should hit him You should hit him up with that, uh, hey, man, trying to run the 18 Jet for old time's sakes one more time. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to. I'm going to reach out to them tomorrow. That. Um, we'll, we'll end with – let's just end with um, Michigan, Minnesota. I'm going to go Minnesota oh, I'm going on this Minnesota. one. Yeah. I'll mess with my yeah. boy PJ Fleck. PJ. Bro, Minnesota's got some athletes. They got some speed. They got some size too. Yeah. They're huge. I just I'm I'm really impressed with what he's done with that program in what, two years? Especially his uh row the boat momentum. Yeah. I think that's a really u- unique way to approach it. What's craziest too is that um Michigan's last game was against Alabama in the bowl. And, of course, we beat them 35-16. And Minnesota's last game was against Auburn. And they beat them 31-24. Yeah, they, they smacked Auburn on that one. Auburn just – Yeah, they did. The score didn't depict what the game actually was. Really? All right. So, uh, I, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, actually, I want to – one more thing. Okay. Do we do we know who the girl is in the picture with Coach O? Okay, no. I I'm is, is that, that is a, that real? Yeah, see, I don't know if it's real or not. And I haven't really I've only seen that photo once. And I, I saw it could have been a deep fake, so I didn't really pay much attention to it. You'll probably edit this off, but when I first saw the picture, I was just casually scrolling through and not even really paying attention, just the bad habit I have. But when I first scrolled through, I really thought it was an Emily uh, Shea post. I was just like, really? oh, some old dude at the pub. Yeah, and then I, I caught myself. I was like, did that say old row? And I scrolled back up, and it was Coach O with some chick, probably a third of his age, in a bed, so – Bro, she's to, uh, fine. Props to Edo. Isn't she a yeah. cheerleader? Well, she looks a little too old to be. I mean, she looks very young, but she looks a little too old in the face to be in the close-up. So I'm looking at a photo of, you know, the one we've all seen with them in the bed, but then there's one of them in the pool. And the one in the pool, yeah, she could pass her a cheerleader. The one with them in the bed where her face is more close-up, I would say she's a little bit too old to be a college student. I don't know. She she looked young to me. I mean, Coach O I definitely up, he definitely upgraded. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Without I mean, speaking speaking of it, do you want to? Um, what do you think about? Have you heard about the LSU allegations going on right now? Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. So, you know, they've self-imposed. They put, you know, when they know they're about to get in trouble, teams put self-imposed punishments. What is it? Yeah, self-imposed punishments or whatever on themselves. But it's over. So, part of it is over OBJ. You know, when OBJ was handing out money on the field. Yeah, Yeah, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's fake money. No, that was fake no, it was real, and Burrow confirmed that months ago on Barstool. He was like, yeah, uh, it was real money. But um, 
it's not just that they're getting them for that, but also they they paid a hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Hey, what are you doing right now? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to cook dinner for Brooke. Almost oh yeah, enough. you're good. Well, uh, I mean, mute your mic. Oh, is it that loud? All right. Yeah. Let's see. All right. So sorry, I, I said okay. I'm muted when I was muted, so you didn't hear uh, that. But I'm about <laughs> to be muted. Okay. All right. So we all know OBJ was handing out real money, so that's part of it. But the other part of it is that they paid. I don't know if it was a total of $180,000 through like six years or this dude was getting paid 180 each year, but it was an offensive lineman's dad. He was getting – like LSU was paying him, and how he was getting paid was through a booster who is the CEO of a hospital in Baton Rouge, and he was embezzling the money in or- from the hospital in order to pay off this offensive lineman's dad. Holy crap. Yeah. And so yeah, they self- I, haven't, I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, which I don't know the full details on it yet, really. That's all I know. Um, I mean, the OBJ thing, to me, it was just more of a stupid thing, like, a lot of people were like, oh, I don't care. Uh, you know, it's wrong in the first place. They're not getting paid, blah, blah. Look, I'm not going to get into that. I'm just saying that's freaking stupid for OBJ to do that just on the field. To me, it was a look at me moment. You know, it wasn't a – yeah, it was just OBJ being OBJ. So it's whatever. Um, but, yeah, the whole embezzling money from a hospital to pay this dude out. And, you know, I mean, if they're doing that for offensive linemen – <laughs> I mean, what are they doing for, uh, you know, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow, like all those yep. dudes. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. You know, yeah, when they I, self-do it, I mean, it's they admit it. Like, yeah, we did this. Yeah, but what I think is – so, the but what they self-imposed, bro, was stupid. They self-imposed – eight scholarships i think i think they took away they were like you know what we're self-imposing we're taking away eight scholarships but i'm pretty sure they just took away four from like the next two classes that doesn't really hurt you and then they said uh yeah we're self-imposing us ourselves from uh recruit visits and recruit conferences and stuff like that you can who the hell is gonna monitor that that you're self-imposing that you're not gonna visit with this many recruits or whatever like it's stupid. So I'm pretty sure the NCAA is going to be like, nah, fam, you, you got some more coming for you. Yeah, that's – I wouldn't be surprised with that at all. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Well, um, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just coming up with a filler. I don't know. Uh, I was just going to say um, we can say Coach O is definitely um, – in a hotbed right now. That is true. Literally yeah. and figuratively. Yes. Yeah. That's my feeling. <laughs> I was going to say, or hot water because uh, he was also in the pool with her. He's in hot water and in a hot bed. There's no telling with that man, what he's going to get into. Legend. I can't believe that man drinks like 18 monsters a day too. Yeah, and then he goes running around campus like it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that dude's crazy. He's crazy. <laughs> All right, man. But uh, I'll let you go. That wraps it up for part two of this college football series. We'll be back, we'll be back at it next week. Um, have, have fun. What you cooking, Chris? Growing some chops. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Some Pork chops. Yep, just had to throw that new propane tank on the grill because it ran out. Nice. But, nice. So doing some chops and some uh, fries, maybe some yeast rolls. Ooh. Sounds good. Hell yeah. All right. All right, man. Well, I'm going to let you uh, let the chef get back to it, bro. All right, bro. Appreciate you having <laughs> right, me man. on. Oh uh, no! Uh, appreciate you, bro, for doing this with me. Um, yeah, hit up, hit up your boy. And tell him, uh, 
tell him to uh, get on the pod. <laughs> All right. If, if he doesn't go for it, I got another guy who beat Usain Bolt's record. So, I'll reach oh, out to dude. him. I thought you were talking about this. I thought that was the same guy. Oh, no. It was a separate dude. One but went to Tennessee both... and one went to Indiana. Oh, okay. I thought the dude who went to Indiana was the guy who ran against Usain no. Bolt or whatever. No, the dude who ran was Christian Coleman and the others were short fans. Oh, nice. Well, we do have – I haven't I haven't booked him, booked him, as in we haven't set a date, but I've already gotten a verbal commit from a former SEC player and also former NFL player. Um, he spent a year in the league, I think, but – I'm not going to give away names or anything right now, but yeah, be on the lookout for that, guys, because that will be coming soon, too. Bet. Yeah, which I'll tell you off air, but uh, let me end this recording. Everybody, y'all take it easy.